Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me. I'm your host, the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming parishes and the church. And as always, uh, I'm here with my co-hosts, Nick and Mary. Guys, you doing well? Good to be with you again, guys. It's hot in Michigan. It feels great, doesn't it? Waited a long time. So, Nick, uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about why we need to reimagine parishes right now. Part, now, part two. That's right. Part dos. Okay. So, so we're talking about our white paper. We're in this. We're in the middle of a, a longer series, but a little mini series within it about our white paper, which is titled "Reimagining What a Catholic Parish Can Be: A Destination for the 21st Century." And so, we felt compelled here at Acts 29 to write this white paper. We felt compelled by the Holy Spirit, but it comes from our experience, our own experience, both in priestly and parish ministry as well as our experience in ministering to priests and parishes all around the country. And the present model of parish life is unsustainable. It is not what God is asking for in these days. So in this particular episode, this is the hinge between last, last week and this next week. Hmm. So last week we talked about why it's necessary to, to, to transform parishes now from the perspective of the clergy and the lay staff who serve with them. Next time, we're going to talk about why this is necessary. From the perspective of like the nuns, right? Those those who aren't in the pews and those who have fallen away. And also the, all these unchurched people we talk about all the time, right? So today, though, we want to talk about why this is necessary for the lay faithful in the pews so that they can get the care they deserve and be equipped as best as possible for the mission that is uniquely theirs. And this is so key. But Father, as always, please open us in prayer on this timely and key topic. Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask uh, your blessing, your grace, and your anointing, especially upon all the lay faithful. All those men and women who uh, make up our parishes, who by baptism have become priest, prophet, and king, and to whom you have entrusted the extraordinary task of evangelizing and sanctifying the world and of being salt and light. We ask that you would pour out your gifts of the Holy Spirit upon them, that you would help them to know those gifts, and that they would be eager to be active agents in your hands so as to be means by which the world that you created, loved, love still and redeemed through the blood of your son might become more the world that you created it to be. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So today we simply want to hit on three things. First, to discuss offering the lay faithful the best of evangelization and discipleship. Second, to offer the pastoral care that they rightly deserve. And third, to offer the best equipping for them so they can ever more effectively fulfill their mission in evangelizing and sanctifying the world, or as our friend N.T. Wright, who we quote here all the time, so that they can be agents of recreation in the world until the king of glory comes back. Hmm. Or in the words of another one of our favorite folks, C.S. Lewis, he says, so that they can be agents of sabotage until the king makes all things new. So, Padre, let's hit evangelization and discipleship first. And so again, we're, we want to limit ourselves here in what we address as there's simply too much to cover, right? Yeah, thanks. I didn't realize N.T. Wright was your friend, man. I'm kind of jealous right now about that. Totally if you, my if friend. If you told me C.S. Lewis is your friend, I'd be a little nervous. That means you're, you're speaking with the dead, although that's the gift of the communion of saints, right? So yeah, so the, here's the reality. Um, 
of most people in the pews. And I don't mean this at all in a condemning fashion. Like that's the last thing I want to imply. This is what I've heard from countless friends of mine in the pews. So this is what people tell me. What they tell me is more or less, Father, I've been catechized. I've been sacramentalized, but I haven't been evangelized. Meaning what? Meaning I was baptized. I went to... uh, you know, my sacrament of confirmation, I received my first communion, I might go to confession once a year. But if you would ask me, do I have a friendship with Jesus? Uh, I'm not sure. And if I asked you that question and you say, I'm not sure, then I would tell you, you, uh, probably you, don't. you, you don't have one. <laughs> like you either know you're in a friendship or, you, or you, you aren't in it, right? So that's the reality of most people in the pews. And so it's out of this that one of the first things that the lay faithful in the pews deserve is like they deserve to be evangelized. Like we shouldn't presume that people have heard the gospel and that they've made a decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. We want to offer them that opportunity and and increasingly so, you know, we've repeated this from this uh, extraordinary book from Christendom to apostolic mission. One of the most urgent tasks, if not the most urgent task as a priest in preaching is to help people acquire a Catholic mind. And if, you know, as that book says, and as we often repeat, to have a Catholic mind isn't to see some things differently, it's to see everything differently, right? So people in the pews, in the parish, they deserve to be evangelized so as to meet him, and they deserve to have their minds conformed to the mind of Christ. Now, I know immediately some people are going to be like, well, I'm not going to conform my mind to anybody. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) My mind's conformed to somebody. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm my own man. Nobody's their own man, right? Something's getting put into my head. Ideas are coming to me from somewhere, and it's forming how I think. That's either the gospel or it's not. And if it's not, well, then it's less than truth, and it's less than goodness, and it's less than beauty. And so Scripture says, you know, that we we aspire to have our minds conformed to the mind of Jesus. And the more my mind is conformed to the mind of Jesus, the freer I am, the happier I am, the holier I am, the healthier I am, right? And until this happens, until I acquire a Catholic mind, until I've met the person of Jesus, it's, it's a waste of time to preach morality, because you, know, you haven't set the table upon which all of that can land. Yeah, nothing right? makes any sense for people, right? So that's often what we experience. Like, man, people just don't understand what we're teaching with morality. Well, that's because they haven't met Jesus, and they'd often tell you that, right? The sacraments make no sense until this happens, until you acquire a Catholic mind. Because the sacraments, if you don't have a Catholic mind, look like magic. But we don't believe in magic. What, or, we, what we believe as Catholics is that the whole world is sacramental reality, is sacramental. Everything, as a friend of ours says, is always more than what it appears to be, right? So flowing directly from evangelization is discipleship. But here's the key. So the first task of a disciple is not like, so Jesus calls you Nick, and he calls you Mary, calls me, like, come. It's not come and go do something. It's come and be with me. Mm. So the first task of a disciple is to be with the Lord and through the Lord by the power of the Spirit to come into intimate friendship mm-hmm. with the Father, right? And Amen. two things immediately flow from that. The first is prayer, the second, scripture. And I, I remember uh, Flannery O'Connor's diary, great Catholic author, tremendous woman, deep faith, 
Uh, it got published not too long ago, and there's an entry in there. This is from a profoundly Catholic woman. Her entry in the diary one day is simply this line. Won't somebody please teach me how to pray? Like, prayer is not intuitive. No, prayer takes... So, so prayer is the heart of the Christian life. There can be no relationship without prayer. And there's so much we can say about prayer. So that's a podcast in and of itself. But I remember uh, in my role at the parish, we would offer some um, programs to teach people how to pray and whatnot. But I think what people really hungered for, at least it was in my experience, is I would have men and women come to my office individually and ask me to teach them how to pray. Tell me about your prayer life. Where do I begin? What does that look like? And then, you know, as we were just talking about, you know, discipling someone else, discipleship, help me, teach me how to pray with other people. Hmm. And John Paul II, remember he said, he said, parishes should be schools of prayer. This should be a staple in every single parish is yours. Is every parish a school of prayer? No. But they should be, right? And we know they could be if we will act to make the changes necessary now. to allow for that. That's Father John's <laughs> word today. You gotta do it now. now. <laughs> Reimagine parishes now. And so, Father, you had mentioned too that, um, so we were gonna talk about two things. And so, prayer, but then also teaching people the word of God. People were hungry for scripture. So, in our context, in our parish, Um, After we ran Alpha, the main desire, the hunger of every man and woman who went through Alpha was they wanted to know the Word of God. They They wanted to know Scripture. And so, Father, we offered it, but we didn't just like, we didn't offer like a program. You let, you jumped in and you taught it. Because yeah, that's right. your gifting. I taught right? it. So, yeah, we had a thousand people go through Alpha, and the biggest desire was, hey, like, we want to know Scripture. So, I love to teach, and I particularly love to teach Scripture, but I got a charism to right. teach, which isn't yeah. like, hey, look how great I am. I can teach. A charism is a gift that God gives, and He gives it for the sake of the body, not for me or for you, you know, if you have the charism. But not every priest has the charism to teach, and not every 2.5 staff members mm. at an average parish has a charism to teach. Or the time. Yeah, and, and if you only have 2.5 staff members and one priest to teach, even if someone does have the charism, to, as you say, Mary, they don't have the time to do it, or they're going to be so exhausted, but by the time they finally do get to do it, it's going to be less than what they would offer right. or what they would want to offer. So that's just not working. Right. The key here, too, I just want to make this point, um, is that this is not done, right, um, creating a culture of evangelization and discipleship by merely offering programs as helpful and as important as they are, because in reality, programs aren't going to multiply disciples. Disciples make disciples. And we're going to talk about equipping those disciples as we further our conversation. I just wanted to make that point. That's no, a good point. Yeah, it's a great point. So so maybe you're a pastor or a lay leader listening to this and thinking, well, I mean, we teach prayer and we do Bible study and, and these kinds of things. And we have the, or we have the capacity to pull off a, a school of prayer effort or something like that. Um, it's just, I just want to say it's not simply enough 
to run a, like an annual couple prayer series. As great as that is, truly, I'm not, I'm not negating that work. Or, or enough to say every Advent we do a Ramus or something like that. Again, as helpful as those things can be, it's really having the capacity, having enough personnel, enough staff, and being healthy enough with your pastor, right? It's having that stuff flow to have the capacity for people, to walk with people year-round, day in, day out, teaching both beginners and advanced, people advanced in the spiritual life, how to pray, how to grow, how to hear the Lord and live in intimacy with Him. And so, again, if we have the adequate staff, we have clergy who are, who are truly cared for, or healthy, if you will, um, the people can be cared for properly, and this can be accomplished. And just a quick note, you're hearing us talk about evangelization and the gospel and those kinds of things. And if you've recently tuned into these episodes, you're like, what's the gospel? Or, you know, I don't, I mean, yeah, it seems kind of like ambiguous. You can go back to the first episodes of the You Were Born for This podcast where we talked about the gospel at length and the content of it. But we also on our YouTube channel, the X29 YouTube channel, have our, our favorite way to break down the gospel, created, captured, rescued, response. That's there. And you can watch those and you can ex- both experience the gospel and learn it. So, second, let's address the fact that the people in the pews deserve to be cared for pastorally, right? So, the whole theme of this episode is what the lay faithful should be able to expect and what they deserve. So, they deserve and should expect to be cared for pastorally. And there is so much we can say here. And here's one of those places where even as I speak, like I'm just going to be convicted as I'll get out because I know from my own experience as a priest that every parish I've been in that I've served in as a priest, this didn't happen, but it didn't happen not because people were sitting on their butts doing nothing. It didn't happen because we didn't have enough people People. to do the work that the people expected to be able to happen. So Way too much we could say here, as always. Let's limit ourselves to a couple of things. So first, people deserve to be cared for sacramentally. What's that mean? They deserve to receive the Eucharist every day, right? We should be able to make this, unless we're in a pandemic and everything's closed. But people should be able to expect that there's at least a daily Mass, and it's happening at a time that's convenient for them, not for the priest. And the priest does it at a time that's convenient to him right now, because quite frankly, he's fried, And so he's exhausted together with his staff. And so the schedule oftentimes reflects that. If we had parishes that were reimagined with truly substantial and significant and adequate numbers of clergy and staff, that wouldn't be an issue. We'd have confessions. Oftentimes, confessions are offered at the absolute worst time for lay people. 3 p.m. on Saturday. 3 p.m. on a Saturday. (laughs) Who's that convenient for? Father who has to do it then because in the morning he's probably got a funeral or he has to leave it open in case he's got a funeral. He might have a wedding at noon and he's got the evening mass. And so it's convenient for him to have convet for me to have confessions right before mass because I'm there. But you got three young kids. They're playing CYO sports. You're not getting to get to confessional right before mass on a Saturday afternoon. It's the absolute worst time. But If you reimagine parishes and you've got three, four, five priests, boom, suddenly you got one or two of them every single day hearing confessions and the lay faithful get what they deserve. Or anointing of the sick. We got people who are sick, they're lonely, uh, they're battling depression. Oftentimes those people don't get cared for until, tragically, it's close to the end, but they should have been cared for long before that. Or counseling and spiritual direction. 
that's one of the constant mm-hmm. things we would hear. Father, you got time to do some spiritual direction? Like, I hesitate to even ask. Yeah, don't ask. Like, <laughs> spiritual direction is long-term accompanying with someone in a way that I can really care for you. Like, I don't know a priest who can do that simply because of the time constraint. I don't know a staff person who's one of the 2.5 staff members in a parish who's got the time to do it. Mm. But the lay faithful deserve counseling and spiritual direction or things like pastoral visits to the homebound or the hospitalized or nursing homes or widows. Like I I found myself oftentimes in the parish having to say to, to my assistant, who was like my right hand, like, hey, it's, it's Lent or it's Advent. I want to go visit everybody in the hospital. Tell me who they are, because I know for the last X number of months, I haven't gotten there unless someone was dying. But if someone's on staff as a clergy who has the charism of mercy, that's all they do. All they do every day is rotate around nursing homes and homes and hospitals, and they visit those people, or they visit, uh, they visit in on the widow, or the widower, right? Right. And you know, our, our parishes should also be places where those who are struggling with addictions of any kind, that they can be ministered to. Or pastoral care, so we talk about all the time, you know, that the primary war seems to be wage and marriage and family. They deserve the pastoral care, the support, the marriage prep the ongoing marriage counseling that they need, that should be happening in our parishes. And what flows from that too, because of the lack of pastoral care, or those who are going into marriage who have suffered divorce, parishes should be the place where that, where, where, where that ministry happens. Pastoral care for those who are grieving tremendous losses of any kind. Um, our youth who are most at risk right now in this culture, that's where they should be cared for. This is, this is, the parish should be the primary place where we are offering ministry across all levels. The poor. To God's people, the poor, those most marginalized, right. those whose physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs are not being met. And too often what's happening is these are being, so like I would often hear like, hey, Father, do we have a, a ministry here for the grieving? Uh, no, but I think First Pres does. Okay, good. I'm going to go there. Boom. What happens? They meet a community and they've been sucked away from the Catholic Church, right. which should have been providing something. Right but didn't have the resources to be able to do it, right? It's so common. So the, the question is, do we have adequate care in all our parishes for these essential ministries? And the answer is absolutely not. So someone gets forgotten, someone gets left behind, but we could have it. We could do it. And this is why we need to reimagine Catholic parishes now. Yeah. yeah. So, so third, finally, let's just speak into the fact that, so th- this is all for I me. Mean, it's great to be caring for people. People deserve this. People deserve to be evangelized and discipled. But this is for the work of ministry, right? So the role of evangelizing and sanctifying the world in which we live doesn't fall to me as a, as a priest, and it doesn't fall to the lay staff who serve alongside me. It falls to the people in the pews. It is uniquely yours, if you're a lay f- uh, member of the body of Christ, to be an active agent in the hands of Jesus to recreate the world until the Lord returns in glory. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that, that our work is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that the, our work there is like, that's the clergy's work, who are the saints who are supposed to be doing the work in ministry? Those are the people in the pews. That's you. Those are the lay men and women who've been baptized and confirmed and sent out in mission. And so the people in the pews, like they deserve the absolute best equipping for this task. 
Because every single person has a mission field. Everybody's got an area of influence, some one area or two areas that we can impact with the gospel. I'm thinking of the line in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, you are you, the light of the world. Huh? And the, the word he uses in Greek there is luxnos. You guys all knew that, I'm sure. So a luxnos is one of those little lamps. You know, it's a, it's a candle like uh, Charles Dickens' character would walk around with. It's got a hook on the end of it, and he, he goes from room to room, shining light where there's darkness. Like, that's the Christian's role, is to shine light mm. in a world which is increasingly dark. Same passage, he says, you're the salt of the earth. This is the Christian's role. It's especially the lay faithful's role. And what does salt do? It makes things flavorful, and it preserves them. And in a world which is increasingly tasteless and falling into decay, this unique, urgent role of the lay faithful was more and more important. So whether you're a lawyer or a judge, maybe a construction worker, a businessman or woman, a stay-at-home dad, right? There's all these kinds of roles. Farmer, first responder, student. I mean, the list goes on and on. You have the task. The privilege. The privilege. I mean, it really is a privilege. The it's joy. a joy when you the know joy. Jesus, right? right? Of sanctifying that sphere of influence in which you have been placed. But you won't feel equipped to do that unless you're part of a community, right? A parish that shows you how and encourages you to do so. That's right, Nick. So is your parish equipping you adequately for this role? Maybe, but probably not. Yeah, but it could. But, but it could. <laughs> and the world needs this. There is no hope, people of God. There is no hope apart from the gospel. The world needs this from us as disciples. And in keeping with the word of the podcast, now, the world needs this from us now. It's urgent. Yeah, so be a Luke's nose, right? And that's going to lead us directly into the next topic next week, right? I can see t-shirts. Go be a Luke's nose. <laughs> hey, be a Luke's nose. Now. I love that, man. Yeah, so, so, again, these are extraordinary days that we're living in. Just read the news every day. Look around. Listen to the anxiety in people. Listen to their longing for justice, they're longing for community, they're longing for uh, dignity, they're longing to be treated with dignity, they're longing for charity, for love, for peace. The solution to all of these things is not found in the world, and as essential as politics are, they can't solve the problem. Because the problem is the human heart. Only God can solve the human heart. And God, the Father, out of his love, sent his only begotten Son as a man to go to the cross so as to fulfill the promise that God had prophesied in the Old Testament that he would give us new hearts so that we would then share those hearts with the people in the world in which we live so that we could help respond to their cry and lead them into a relationship with the Father by the power of the Spirit. So don't be frustrated at the time that you and I find ourselves living in. These are not dark days, though they're challenging. These are great days. These are days that God has destined us to be alive. So do not be afraid. He is with you, and you were born for this. 